lower league football is back on hold again. That's despite requests from some sides to halt things turned down by the Lowland League last week. One of the clubs who wanted a suspension then was Maybo, and their manager, club legend Carlo Walker, joins us on the show this week. We'll hear what prompted him and the club to make their appeals to the authorities and what they thought about their initial reactions to it. With the game now mothballed for at least three weeks, we'll talk to Carlo about just how he thinks Maybowl and other clubs will survive this latest lockdown. But we'll make sure it's not all doom and gloom. We'll also take a look back at Carlo's playing and management career. Ali McCoyst and Ian Durant might have ducked out of his testimonial game at the bowl, but Carlo has now been there for an incredible 18 years. It's all here as, for the first time in 2021, we go down the divisions. Good to have you along for another 60 minutes or so looking at Scotland's lower leagues and a belated Happy New Year to all our listeners and, and to you, Paul. Um, sadly, no football for you, though, since we last spoke. Well, first of all, Happy New Year to everybody that listens. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, new Year, new start. Yeah, not played a game since the 12th of December, uh, which is disappointing. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not because of COVID, it's because of the, the weather. Uh, snowed last week as well, which meant we've not probably we've not trained, not probably we've not trained for two weeks. So again, it's tough, and now the restrictions are in place that we'll come on to later uh, means we're probably not going to train for another three weeks, if at all, this season. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll definitely be uh, speaking more about that shortly. Uh, before we do, a quick word for our sponsors. Media agency 44 Creative, if you're looking for photographers, graphic designers, videographers or video editors to help promote your content, brand, organization or event, then they'd love to hear from you. They make creation personal. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. We'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. My name's Tommy Sloan, Ockenlet Talbot Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Mayball boss Carlo Walker is our guest this week. Thanks for being with us, Carlo. Thanks for asking. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. This week, Paul has the clues. Right, so we've got four clues here, Carlo, and we'll give the answer at the end of the show. So the first clue is, they were formed in 1908. They played their first game at Stenhouse Stadium. Second clue is they now play at Christie Gills Park. Hope I pronounced that right. They are named after an occupation. And they are based in Muirhouse area of the capital city. Two puzzled looks there on the face. Two puzzled looks. I no idea. The occupation. So this is a non-league team. So now it's a non-league team. Now, Carlo, don't be shouting out too too eager here. We'll get give the answer at the end. Right. Okay. 
I don't have the answer. There's no chance. I thought it was. I thought that was simple this week, boys. Come on. I'll come back to it. Yeah. Ah, you come back to it. My name's David Menelos, assistant manager at Bell Cell Athletic. You're listening to Down the Divisions, the number one podcast. Mabel manager Carlo Walker is our guest this week. Uh, Carlo, I mentioned the statements put out by yourself and the club last week asking for the game to be suspended. T- tell us, we'll come on to what's happened since, but tell us about the fears you had then and, and what led you to do that. I was never really comfortable playing during it all anyway. I have reservations about it because there's so many bits missing from it, not been able to to, to to mix before and after games, carry on the strips, players forgetting stuff, can't socialise before, during and after. A lot of what a manager does is in a dressing room. A lot of the memories are in a dressing room before and after the game, meeting up, going for a pre-match meal, just, just nice things like that there, going out after it. All these things were missing. Then, just before Christmas... I had one senior player tell me that he didn't want to do it anymore. That was strike one. And then another player I just signed said the same thing. Was very, very concerned. And I just thought, you know, these are experienced players who are genuinely worried and concerned. There's something not right here. This we shouldn't be we shouldn't be doing it. And I shouldn't be making them feel guilty about saying to me they don't want to play. And there's a reason why they're saying it. There's a big, strong reason why they're saying it. And I had to look beyond my own obsessions and make a decision. Carl, can I take us back to when we all first kind of decided to, to go into the league? At any point then, had Mabel had any reservations or at that time was everybody up for going forward? Because I certainly know quite a few of the Ayrshire teams decided this year not to. Uh, compete in the in the West of Scotland League. Was there any reservations at that point? Not from our club. All the committee and all the players wanted to play. I too wanted to play. But the facts and figures available in September are completely different for the ones that's available now. And we, we voted to carry on, but not carry on regardless. So, you, so, so Mabel at that point were always prepared to, to, to go into it, but start looking at because uh, obviously obviously, you guys put a letter in this week and, and we were told at the beginning I think we had a, a period of grace where you could compete and then they, you would pull out without punishment was Mabel this year prepared to uh, step away from the league and, and, and sacrifice the punishment for next season it was November the 14th That's a, yeah. it was our last chance and I think we'd lost for the third or fourth game in a row. And I had to be careful that I wasn't making a decision based on the fact that, I, you know, me personally was scunnered because we could beat again. I had to make sure I was making the right decision. And at, at, at the time then, the medical figures weren't terrible. And I genuinely believed that we were privileged to play football and I didn't want to waste that opportunity. And no player had complained. No player had said anything that, that they were uncomfortable. At that time, everyone... Certainly not comfortable about losing, but that's a separate issue. They didn't fear. They, they had no problems at that point, and that's why we decided to carry on. But like I said to you, it wasn't carry on regardless. There has to be a point where something happens that that changes, and that happened, you know, on around towards the end of December. Things were getting really bad. When you're listening to, to players saying to you, look, 
my family, my, my, my partner, my this, they're not comfortable with me coming and doing this. So I'm out. And, and the letter that was put in to the, the committee, I know you guys put a statement out, but was that to say we are, we are looking for the, the season, you know, was that a recommendation that you guys didn't want to play or was that we are not playing, we are, we are stepping away from it? How, how, was that, how was that kind of worded well, to the it league? It was only aimed at other conference league teams because I felt, well, first of all, that's what we're in. Mm-hmm. And we the least to give up. You know, we're not playing to win promotion or do anything. We'd the least to lose. Um, we'd only played seven or eight games. And all I wanted was a break, like a, 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 a winter break. That was all I was suggesting, a winter break. Kenny Young I'd spoke to, Kenny was brilliant, the fixer secretary. And whilst he couldn't make the decision, what he did say was he had no objections to us contacting the other clubs. And he had no problems with trying to catch up, you know, a month's worth of fixtures. That wouldn't have been a problem to him. That would have been okay. All I was suggesting at the time was to take a break. It wasn't until two or three days after it that I started to realise this isn't successful. And I could ostracise my club, which is the last thing I wanted to do. And did you receive any kind of backlash from that, from that going out? Did anybody contact you or social media saying, guys, what are you playing at? Or... I'm not on social media. It's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. <laughs> um, I, I'm too passionate and I care too much about what I do and I don't, I probably shouldn't really be saying this, but I don't like criticism, especially when I'm trying my hardest. And, you know, I might be biased towards my own team, which any manager will be, of course, but I'm not blinded. And I just felt that it was the right forever. The, the only ones that complained were in the Super League or the Lowland League, and I wasn't, my idea of a break wasn't aimed at them, and that seemed to get lost in my first statement, I don't think that was particularly clear, so we put another one out to reiterate, look, we're only suggesting a break for the clubs in the conference, that's all I was trying to say, it was to try and ease the decision through, but you know, we don't have a lot to lose, let's try and help the NHS, there's thousands, I think we worked out maybe 15,000 car journeys between training and games, for all the players, the referees, and all the, the committee that help. That's a lot of strain on the roads, potential accidents. We don't need to be doing it. I was only aiming at the conference teams because it was easier for us to just say, right, well, let's take a break for a month. No training, no playing, no doing nothing. Do our bit. To be honest with you, I kind of knew there would be people that would be upset, but, you know, that's... Maybe because they were doing well or they felt they had a chance to progress from the Super League or progress from the Lowland League. I, 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 I couldn't stop doing what I was going to say just because of that. You've got to look beyond your own needs and, and, and what suits you better. What um, what did you then make of of the response you got from the authorities and, and them saying things would continue unless they were otherwise told by the government? Is 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 that the right answer? Could you understand the answer? And and I don't and know whether Dave McKenna. I, I don't know whether because of his association with Clyde Bank. I spoke to, I spoke to that guy again. He's actually a really really nice fellow and does it all for nothing, which sits well with me when people do what they do at that level for nothing. And um and he's quite right to have his own club's interest. I, I get all that, and he's quite right, but. 
we're not in that Super League or we're not in the Lower League. We're not in that. I, I can't answer for them. That's his job to answer for them. I, I can only answer for what's round about me and what my club wants to do. What I didn't want to do was incur penalties. And what the feedback I got from the people that I spoke to said that no, because we're taking a break, not pulling out, there wouldn't be a penalty. You obviously say you mentioned penalties there. Had the players come back and said, look, Carlo, we are not going to go ahead. We, you know, Albeit this has now been stopped, but at the time of you writing that letter, had the players come back and said, Carlo, we are not going to do this, we are pulling out. Would you have sacrificed penalties next year? Uh, or, or, would, or would you have con- continued playing? I was really... Maybe went with a squad. I got asked that question by a few people within our club and by someone at a local newspaper. I got asked that question and I didn't want to be evasive. I was just trying to be, I was just trying to protect my own feelings at the time by not getting too upset that that was a potential and I didn't want to get weighed down by something that might not happen. Does that make sense? I didn't want to think. Yeah. Could be a, and it'd been easier to say to the guys that run the football, well, on your head be it, you know, on your conscience be it. Are you going to wait for somebody to become very ill? Are you going to wait for a potential football injury and we can't get an ambulance and something's not right? Are you going to wait till there's a you know a player has a massive fallout with somebody in his family because he's taking something back to sit? There's more and more people at a younger age, a football playing age, are not only catching it, they're dying from it. How has it left you? Did you have many clubs then come out and support? I certainly know Craig Mark had come out and they publicly come out and said that they kind of backed you. Was there many other teams backing the the, yeah. the proposal? Yeah, Kelo Rovers, um, I think Ardia. Um, as I say, I'm not on social media. I'm not on all these sites, <laughs> um, so I, I wasn't I wasn't fully aware. I, I don't know. I know our own club secretary said quite a few clubs to get back. Only one conference team had said they weren't keen on it. They reiterated, you know, we voted to stay in, so we need to keep going. And then he, our secretary reminded him, look, we're not suggesting that we stop. We're only suggesting a break. You know, um, one of the things I found out as well was that I can't confirm all this, but the dam park, which is run by South Ayrshire Council, had said nobody was to get the use of that park. Um, I believe... South Lanarkshire and North Lanarkshire councils were telling folk they couldn't use the parts for training. So clubs were struggling to get training facilities. Why are we, why are we pushing them into a, to make these decisions? Why are we doing this? You know, all these things are adding up, upset players. I, I actually genuinely, I sense resentment from people that we were continuing to play at our level, especially the conference. I can't comment in the Lowland League because they've got more to play for than what we do. So that, that they've, they've got their own agenda. I just felt the confidence, 40, 50 teams, whatever I'd stop, that would help. That's all I was trying to suggest. I wasn't telling the rest to stop. I didn't want to get to a situation where, and I'm split 50-50 whether I said, no, we're not playing on. You can sanction all you want. We're not doing it because that's never going to sit well with anybody. There's no way you're going to punish us. And what's going on? No way would you be successful. The public backlash would be horrendous. I didn't want to do that because you'd have an asterisk against you. That would always be against you that you'd done that. I didn't want to do it. At the same time, I didn't want to just at the first obstacle, the first hurdle, you know, 
fall down. Oh, sorry, we better just train, we better just go back to it. I was really, I was really quite stuck. Listen, I'm only the manager of the team. There's other people who run the club, it's their club. I was just trying to speak on their behalf. There's other people there that would have helped make that decision. So, much as I like to think I run the team, I don't. <laughs> was, was there relief then on uh, on Monday when when, the, when you heard the SFA's decision? That you I mean it took a lot of, I guess it took a lot of, after after you'd been, if you want to say brave enough to come out and make that statement last week, it took a lot of kind of pressure off a lot of people by by the SFA. And could you argue it came too late? And it was ironic that I think, you know, even over the weekends, I know it's a little bit higher up, but. Scottish Cup replay, uh, Scottish Cup games were being scheduled for this Tuesday on Sunday, and all of a sudden, you know, less than twelve hours later, the the game has been put in cold storage. But you must have been, you must have been relieved when when you heard that decision on Monday. Well, I was worried that I was going to have players if they're playing, they're playing with resentment. They're not playing because they want to be there. They're already playing for nothing. They already can't use a dressing room. They're already going to turn up like ten year olds with a water bottle and a strip on. And now I have to tell them. By the way, you're playing whether you like it or not. I've my wife and my family and my mum over this. They're not comfortable. I don't care. I'm not doing that. That possibility was something I was trying not to think about. And that's probably why I was really relieved. To be honest with you, I knew it was coming. I knew the SFA. The SFA stepped in in March and they were going to do it again. We just had to make enough noise and you know something would get done. It was taken away from you know, the people that I was speaking to who run the conference league, the decision was taken away from them. Through my naivety, I'll be honest with you, being in the conference, it comes back to what's elite sport and what's an elite sports club, right? New Mains United, I've talked from my own team here, I classed under that banner because we play in the conferences and I've had backlashes, you know, for amateur teams around about, oh, you, you know, you're not, you're, you're no more professional than us. But well, we do have our own ground and it's not our fault that, that we fall under that that category of we're in the Scottish pyramid system now and, and that's it. So we fall under that. Through my naivety, I actually thought that we were flying under the radar in the conferences, that nobody, we'd fell under this elite sport category eh, or semi-professional sport, whatever terminology you want to use. And we were avoiding it just because people weren't making the noise and people weren't really complaining and people weren't doing that. And I'm going to be honest, I'm surprised we got this far. I, I, I genuinely believe that. Did I want to finish up? Of course I didn't. And, you know, Saturdays with football, you know, it's terrible. However, from a, from a human being point of view, do you know what I mean? And like, it's, it is the right decision to, to take a circuit breaker. I actually now don't believe we'll go back. I actually don't believe we'll go back, Carlo. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Certainly, I don't think three weeks down the line we'll have a review of it. That three weeks, reality is probably going to be six weeks, and I don't know whether the appetite will be to go back now. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Players losing fitness, and you know, if you've stopped for a wee while, what's the, the, the reckon after two weeks your fitness starts to to drop? So if you're off for a month not doing anything, but You've got to hope that the players will do a wee bit on their own. You've got to hope that because we're not playing to win or lose as such, right? If you don't, as, you know, if you're not as flying fit as you really could be or should be, you still play the games. Look, we're playing in a league that doesn't really matter. It's not that important. So if you've got to go back without a full proper pre-season, you only get one week. Well, just get on with it. If you've been doing a wee bit on your own, as most clubs, 
They'll be doing, players will be doing bits and pieces on their own anyway. Just go on, mate. Listen, three or four weeks might not be enough, but it's light at the end of the tunnel. It's hope. You know, it's yeah, absolutely. We do, we do, we're constantly looking at things for hope. But I always want to try and get that. So I, I think we need to try this. And at four or five weeks doesn't work. And if it's possible then to do another three or four weeks, and if that's not ridiculous and Kenny Young can still do the fixtures, then that's what we do. And if it's not, then it's not. You know, we're battle-weary now. We've done this this lockdown thing for 10 months now. It's nothing new. And we're no. lucky to get any games in at all. And we moan and we moan and complain. We talk about we are down the divisions. And the down the divisions for me takes in amateur football. I come from amateur football. Uh, these guys have not played. These guys have now not played for probably nearly a year. You know, and and I, and I worry. I worry about those clubs as well because you know we certainly sign a lot of players from amateur football, and I just think you know. I'm worried for the game a little bit. I don't know if you've come across that down your way. Maybe amateur teams have folded because of this. Have you witnessed anything like that? No, what I have is um, they've asked to come and train with us because we're still training. And at first I was, yeah, I don't see a problem with that because it always helps with numbers. But then I was quickly reminded, no, we've got our own kind of mini bubble here. You've got to be mm-hmm. careful. And, you know, you're all allowed 18 at training and they must yeah. be saying players should be this, that and that. Unless they're genuinely trialists, which you're allowed, but you can't. So we had to we had to stop that. We had to, to keep people back. I think the amateur boys were just maybe going out doing a bit of training on their own. I I feel for them, and I, no, I think it will come back. I, I don't think I don't I don't think it will stop. There's too many of them. There's too many of them who want to do it. I still speak to. I've got friends. I know plenty of people involved in amateur football, and I know they will down here. It's quite strong, and they'll they'll keep at it. Players will they'll pick it back up. It's the social side as well. Yeah, you know they're going to miss out on that there. It gives them fitness, and it gives them you know playing a game of football that they obviously enjoy doing. So it gives them all that there, an excuse to get out of the house as we always say, isn't it? You know, so I, I don't I don't think there'll be an issue with that there. The problem I've had is trying to keep them motivated when they don't have a lot to play for. They're not getting paid, and they've earned the right to be paid. I have no problems with that. They've earned the right to be paid. It's very simple for to say, OK, you're playing football anyways, you just got on with it. Yeah, but if you budgeted a car loan or your rent or a mortgage or a holiday based on your football wages and that's taken away from you, you can't just throw a blanket at it and say, oh, well, you're lucky to play. And the reason why the players, the difference between us and amateur football is simply pay by E. Yeah. Paying tax, then they're entitled to follow, they're entitled to get something out. They've, like I say, they've earned the right to get paid. I have no problems with that there. I mean, that's taken away from them. You can see why they get upset. It's not the right word, but it's it's another thing taken away from them. No showers, no dress rooms, no camaraderie in there, and all that gets going. They can't hang about at the end of the game. They disappear as quick as they can. You know, they can't turn up an hour before the game. It's 45 minutes with a strip on. There's so many things taken away from them. We can't go on grass legs. You've got to wait for others to come off completely before you can sneak on to do a warm-up. You know, all these things are taken away from them. It was just going to be another hit. And, you know, if you're injured, you can't come to the game on Saturday. What? No, you can't come. That's a rule. You can't be there. And if you're not in the squad, you can't come either. And telling guys in the committee, you guy that works the shop and you guy that does the bar, and does, you can't come now because we don't need you on a Saturday. That's a, that's a tough, tough thing to be saying to guys who are volunteers. 
you do yeah. it all for nothing. To t- as you say, the, the lower end of where we work, you just tell them, folk, by the way, you can't come. And then we had a guy turned up at the game. <laughs> he came through the gates with my dog, and I said to him, look, I'm really, really sorry. Can I ask where you're going? I'm here to watch football. Well, you can. I don't know. You can. There's restrictions in place. You know, you can't do it. Oh, my grandson's playing. Oh, this is getting worse. Aye. Really, really sorry. You can't. You can't. I, I thought, why? Wow, I shouldn't have to do this. You know, this is not right. We shouldn't. Ah, oh, the gate was open. Look, mate. You can't, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. You can't. It's more and more. We should be looking after our team. We should be doing. You know, we've COVID officers, and we've got two of them. And we just a situation that arises where both of them are working. So to quickly hurry up, get somebody else trained up to do the job, and that's another stressful thing. And then folk turn up without a strap. I mean, it's because they're so used to not doing that. Well, it, it, it is a question then, Carlo. I mean, playing devil's advocate, and we're all kind of, we all love the game of football. We all want the game of football to be played. But Paul touched on that professional status that the game at, at the West of Scotland League level has been granted in the, in the definition of what football can be played. Could you argue that that was misguided in that? I don't think it was. No, I, I don't think it was. But, but I mean, I know you can have a professional approach, but to kind of blanket everybody underneath the professional game when just resources means you can't actually put things in place as much as what you would you would wish to do in an ideal world, that then there's, then there becomes a grey area and 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 has it has, has that then allowed some of what has happened to happen that you that you know that these kind of these anecdotes that you talk about well it's made the decision to stop it all the easier yeah so it's done i don't think it'd have been fair as semi-professional footballers as what they've always been um i get all that the fact they pay pye on their, their, their salary that's another reason why they should get it we play at our own grounds that's another reason you know we get good referees you get lines and you get all these things that makes you part of it. at some point it has to be a cut off now, you can either judge it and cut off an ability or what they've done is go to the championship. The championship clubs, I don't know if you're aware of this, and I hope I'm not wrong when I say this, but I get told today by some, it's £2,500 a week to do the COVID testing in the championship level. That's £10,000 £10, a month that they'll need to play, whether they like it or not. Now, that is that the definition of professional? Or is it Mabel and Humane's? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll come in on that. And, and, and the very fact that, and, and, I, and I touched on it earlier on, you know, people, there's actually an amateur team training, and, I, and I, I'm not calling them out, but there's an amateur team which has been training next to us on, on a pitch all the way through this. They shouldn't be training, right? They shouldn't be training. But they go on social media. They actually go on social media and say, eh, oh, there's a semi, semi-professional team training next to us. You know, what makes them... You know, they're no different from us, blah, blah, blah. But I think all the things that you touched on there, pay, YE, our own ground, it ain't our fault. It ain't our club's fault that we are now in the pyramid system. Now, with a wonderful backer coming into New Mains or a May Bowl, they have now got, they've actually got the route to get to the SPFL. They have actually got the route to get to the SPFL where these guys don't. Teams at our level play in the big Scottish Cup. So these teams are at our level. Uh, so whilst I sympathise, I have huge, huge sympathy with the amateur teams. I realise, as I say, I come from amateur football. So, you know, I, I, I really do. I think 
these clubs, we should have the status because potentially we could get to the big Scottish Cup, potentially we could get to the SPFL, and that is no different from if you look down in England, where you see Chorley Town now, yeah. Chorley Town in the Scottish Cup, Chorley Town is a much bigger club than, than I'll speak for, I'm not speaking about Mabel, but certainly a much bigger club than the, the new mains, but they're in that pyramid system, and like it or not, we're in it, and, and, and that's it. So, whilst I suppose we kind of, I certainly kind of get embarrassed a little bit by, you know, I'm I'm saying to my wife on a Saturday, I'm going out. You know, how 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 are you allowed to go and play football? You know, that, that's the answer. Actually, my wife's not into football. You know, and I was you, say, you, she says you say, she's usually pushing me out the door. But you know, you say, well, you're classed as elite sport, and you know, you see people sniggering and laughing and all that elite sport. You mean? But unfortunately, we're in. Well, fortunately, not unfortunately, because I'm very proud. That we are in that, and we're in that pyramid system. And, I, and like you, Carlo, I take my I take my membership of being in the Ever West of Scotland team with great pride. I genuinely, hand on heart, take that with great pride, and I look at it as an absolute privilege. And I, I think that's why we fall under that. So that's answering your question, Gareth. That that's why I think. Hopefully, I've justified that by saying that's why we're in there. No, no, that, that's uh, no, that's a good good answer. I mean, I, I was also going to say, Carlo, as well, you've got a couple of boys, I think Neil McPherson and Jack McDowell, uh, on loan from Auchinleck. Auchinleck, obviously, have chosen not to play, and, and Tommy Sloan came out saying that he still believes Auchinleck not playing was the right decision. You know, now, even with hindsight, does, I mean, do, do you agree with what he's saying? I mean, is it a case that every club has got their own situation and it's not a one-size-fits-all? How could MD in junior football? How could how could MD argue with Tommy Sloan? <laughs> when we had a decision to make, um, I actually phoned Tommy Sloan, and he said his opening line was, "Oh, are you on to try and get some players?" <laughs> I said, "No, I never even thought of that. <laughs> I never thought of that." Hello, so, Tommy. <laughs> however, we'll come back to that. Put that in the in the in the maybe category, and we'll come back to that, Tommy. How can I be the manager of Mabel and carry on when the best team in the land are saying no? Why am I soldiering on here? What, what, what am I not getting? What am I not seeing? Or are you coming from it from a different angle because the size of your club and what you represent, what you do to do what you do compared to what we do? And, and I don't, I'm not going to say Tommy's impressive. Tom, Tommy's never impressed with anything I do, but he took the time to speak to me. And he gave me their reasons, and he didn't. He didn't try and milk it. He didn't try and overdo it. He just they were concerned about older people in the committee and the potential of them becoming unwell through the actions of the younger ones coming into the ground, because the younger ones can catch it and you know, potentially not be as ill, but certainly pass it on to ones a bit older. And he didn't want to be playing through a pandemic. That's 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 what the club felt. That you didn't want to be looking back playing football through a pandemic. I didn't get that feeling or reaction from the, the people on our committee. They were quite happy that they could stay out of the way and the coaches, there was enough coaches to do the work needed on a Saturday because the committee don't really get involved. The bar's not open, the shop's not open. So these things that were different for us. So it was a wee bit easier for us to carry on. And at the time, I had absolutely no resistance for anybody at the club, no players, no, not, not anybody. Everyone, 
the infection rates in Ayrshire were pretty low at that time as well. You know, it didn't really seem to be that big an issue. And I didn't want to be rude or ignorant, but I thought, well, it's not really in our back garden at the moment, so why bother? Carry on. I'm going to put the cat amongst the pigeons here and say, and this is not a Rangers or a Celtic thing or anything like that, do you think the decision that was made this week was the Celtics trip to Dubai, come back, everything that's going on, I'm not even talking about the 13 players that had to isolate, because this decision, I believe, might have been taken slightly before the 13 players had to isolate. My personal view is, and I've went on record saying this, uh, is I believe this has highlighted it. I believe that had that might not have happened, I'm not saying this pandemic's not peaked yet, because I think, you know, I still think we have to see the, the, the spike in this pandemic yet. But I think that has highlighted it. And I think Nicholas Sturgeon said that yesterday and I'll talk a little bit that uh, whilst it's not this the whole Celtic issue, but do you think that this has really highlighted it and this is the factor in why we've been stopped? I, I think Celtic didn't break any rules. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt about one way of training would be absolutely fantastic and be a benefit to any player at any level. I think the point they're missing morally it wasn't right and the timing of it wasn't right and I think they're, they're, I'm not 100% sure I don't know I'm not a travel agent so I don't know whether they lost their money or not I don't know but they could have either not went or came back it would have been a disaster if they came back early do you think it's highlighted it though and this is what's caused players at that elite level that we see in the TV right at that absolute elite level right they're so detracted from reality and real world. You watch them coming running out onto the park and have, some of them will have a bottle or whatever it is and they'll take a drink of it and then chuck it in the ground and just run it. Who's picking that up? Like, is, that, is that somebody else's mm-hmm. job to pick it up? Mm-hmm. Some, you know, we wouldn't do that where we are, but if you would, oh, get that picked up. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. But these guys are so detracted because they're in this bubble and now more than ever, they're in a bubble. They're so detracted from what's going on in the real world. They're protected from it, hidden from it, because we need them to entertain us. You listen, I'm no argument with that. I enjoy it as well, watching playing football. But they're getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed away into a smaller bubble. I don't think any Celtic player really, really understands. They might now, because we've seen mm-hmm. the backlash. They might now. Can you imagine a player had said, oh, I'm not going? That's yeah. not going yeah. It had to be from somebody higher up, and somebody higher up should now be coming forward and say, look, get off the players' back. You know, we made a decision to go. Perhaps we should be apologising for that morally and the timing of it. It's not the right decision. And I think what doesn't help them is the fact that, I, I, I think I'm right in saying this, that no other clubs went abroad. And I do feel for the players and the management, because they're probably told what to do. You know, I don't think for a minute Neil Lennon got together and said, look, any chance you can foot the bill for this, let us go away over here. I'm yeah. sure it was all organised. And the reasons for going are brilliant. And nobody's complaining about that, really. Gareth, what's your, what's your opinion? Nope, nobody's interested. I just asked the questions, Paul. Nobody's interested in my opinion. <laughs> no, yeah. I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but truthfully, do you think it was highlighted? I, I, th- I think the trip was misguided. I think it was... It was. It might have been agreed in November, but as has already been said, a lot of water has gone under the bridge between November and now. Everybody knows how unpredictable 
this uh, this this coronavirus is the twists and turns that nobody can predict. So for it to be agreed in November and then for them to go was one thing. Yes, they can say it was agreed, but second thing has been an absolute PR disaster. You know, you can look at and and that maybe brings in where you're coming from is highlighted to the government that football again is maybe not in touch with the fans, the people who keep the game going, the, the general public, you know, the, the non-football fans even. And that has maybe alerted them to football more. But I don't think, I don't see how stopping all the lower leagues <clears throat> can be a logical reaction to the Premiership champions going to Dubai. Well, this is, my, this is why I asked you the question now, because I, I certainly feel that it's highlighted it. But why? I, I don't know why they've stopped, they stopped the lower leagues, yet the Premier League is still continuing when this pandemic is just about to hit its peak. You know, or, or, well, we've not hit the peak yet. So why not circuit break football? Why not just say, and, and it comes back to May Bowles, original letter, May Bowles were not wanting football halted. May Bowles were wanting a circuit breaker put in there and I think Carlo coming on the show tonight has clearly highlighted that they didn't want they you know this has kind of been blown out of proportion maybe a wee bit Carlo I don't think I'm fair to say that but uh, I, I actually think that uh, circuit breaker for three weeks and Rangers fans will hate me saying that because they're on a they're on a run and there'll be momentum going and, and they they won't like the fact that we're saying that but just a break from it all Carlo pointed out that there was fifteen hundred journeys car journeys I think he, he said. Well, think about that. I watched, I, I, I'll go back to the Premier League. I watched, uh, was it Aberdeen Rangers on Sunday? And in the stand, in the stand was, uh, and, and, and they showed it, and, and they, they actually said who it was. Sitting there was Graham, the, uh, the new model manager. Uh, oh, yeah, Graham he, Alexander. Graham Alexander's there now. Okay, Graham Alexander's possibly watching them for next week. But he's drove from model to Aberdeen or wherever he's staying, Hamilton. There, so I think there's a lot of things need addressed, and a circuit breaker I think would have been quite a good thing for football, just even for the next four or five weeks, and then hopefully more vaccines, I suppose, are put out. Well, they were told the the, the senior teams were told that there would be no winter break. So that's it. There would be right. no winter break. They were told that at the start of the season. I think they're trying to um, finish everything up for the Euros. Ah, right. Everything finished for a certain time and date, so that's why they don't want to. You know, stop. But I think I know. I, I, every player will tell you this, no matter what the level is. Never mind training. We've got a game on Monday, brilliant. We've got a game on Wednesday, right? Find it on that. Mm-hmm. We're far rather that's training. I mean, they can't see they're tired. They train every day. So I don't know. I, I, you know, just get big enough squads. Go and play. Go and play the game. Right. This is why we've got to do it. So we're going to take a three-week break. I think again. Morally, it would have been good for the Scottish football to say, right, let's just take a circuit break. Let's seem to be doing the right thing. You know, well, they, well, they've done that in League One, they've done it in League Two, Carlos. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's the right thing. Say, the, the, the these are the guys championship, testing the championships through the roof. So, why that, that's what I don't understand. I'm going to say to Carlo there, I mean, we've talked about how it's left Mabel, you know. You having to speak to players and stuff like that, but how, how does all this leave Mabel financially? I guess you know. I know by agreeing to play at the start of the season, 
you've effectively agreed to take a hit or you've you've effectively had to rejig your budget or you've you know you've had to work within your means if you like but how does it how does a circuit breaker like this affect Maybo and and the uncertainty that it's you know at least three weeks I don't see it been too big a financial problem because we're not having to pay for training we won't have to pay for referees linesmen we won't have to pay for all that there the players are down to expenses only and it's capped at 20 pound each so that would be good for some and not good for others you know they've they've all accepted that and and like they know it's only a month i don't see it being that big a problem financially and i think praise where praise is due the scottish football association secured quite a bit of money of which we have as clubs have benefited from or, or in that, well, we've not had ours yet, but we're in the process of, of getting money from the Scottish FA that I think will kind of more cover, more than cover the losses because the team's decided to play in the, in the league. Uh, well, yeah, I spoke to our president and he told me that there'll be two payments of 3,600. Yeah. A grand total of 7,200. We'll get that because we've continued to participate. Well, yeah. I don't think... Actually, the secretary told the president not to tell me. <laughs> don't tell him. <laughs> it's ring-fenced anyway. You're not allowed to wait. Yeah. Nobody buys and sells players in junior football anyway because you just wait for the contract. That's what everybody does anyway. So that, we're that, actually... We're saving hours for a winter break. <laughs> we Azerbaijan. <laughs> we've got Azerbaijan. It's nice this time of year. Just Benidorm. Just before we uh, just before we we do do the news, um, you know when things have been stopped, you know how how have we found the season so far, Carlo? I mean, I think I think your last outing, your last game was December the nineteenth, and you beat Muirkirk seven nil. Yeah, we'll just stop there. We'll do that. That's fair. We'll just stop <laughs> that one. <laughs> that, <laughs> weeks before it, it wasn't good. <laughs> but how would you assess the season? And was that seven nil kind of a sign that maybe you were just about to? You know, turn the corner if you like after having the sort of slow start. The week before we beat Mary Hill one 0 so you get a, we got our first win and 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 a, and a first clean sheet. Paul will tell you that they generally go hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't let the ball in, the, in your own net. You, to, right. you know, it's it's very unlikely, very unusual for a junior game to have no goals. Trying keeping clean sheets is a big thing, and because you always concede, there's always mistakes, bumpy parts, players make mistakes. That's why they're at the level they're at. You make mistakes, so to get a one 0 was quite good. I actually said at the end of it, when I was asked for the newspaper, we played as well today as we played any other week. Just, just sometimes the breaks and the luck go for you. It's fine. The following week we played against Muir Kirk. I thought we played as well against Muir Kirk as we did against Craig Martin. We could beat 3-2 for Craig Martin. I thought we, we played just as well. You know, it, the, the margins are pretty fine, although I managed to bring in a couple of extra players at the boys walking I also got, I also got one from Cumnock as well. And they made a big, big difference. And I had to be very, very careful that I didn't upset, I don't know if that's the right word, but I had boys that stuck with us all through the summer, all through the pandemic, taking the wage cuts. And then I could say to them, right, well, sorry, you're not playing just now. Then I had to weigh up. We could beat 4-1 for Ashfield. And it doesn't matter how you dress it up. You could beat 4-1, you're thumped. And it doesn't matter this, you know, the, the, the timing of the goals and how it all went. They get thumped, and the players were really, really quite upset. And there's a bit of argument, some tears, 
you know, players want me to ball and shout and start criticising and get into people and I don't like doing that and I'm certainly not doing it out in front of everybody because we're not in a dressing room and I, and I, I don't, I never reacted well to being balled and shouted at when I tried my hardest. So I, it doesn't, if you make mistakes, that's it. I don't think balling and shouting helps and it's certainly not going to help out in front of everybody. But I remember saying to myself at the end of that game, I'm not going to let that happen again. And I told the players, the only way to fix this is to get better players. You know, good players win games. It's, it's simple. Auchinleck generally win because they've got the better players than everybody else. And that can go at any level. They've got better players than everybody else. You know, I had the conversation with Jose Alon when we played against Beeve and they won. And I remember thinking, is he a better manager than me? Or does he just have better toys? Well, he's got better toys to play with. I do. He's earned the right for that. I need to go and try and earn the right to have better toys, so to speak. And after the Ashfield game, I just thought, if I don't address this, it's it's all one of the players saying, oh, we're just participating, we're just taking part this year, it's fine. Players hate getting beat. They go absolutely bananas, nuts. The referee gets it, the manager gets it, the dog gets it, their work colleagues get it. Everybody gets it. But it's the manager that's going to fix it. That's our job. We've got to fix it. Take the blame, because if you win, it's the players. If you lose, it's the manager. That's been going for 100 years. So I, I wasn't complaining about that. Day. You know that. That comes with the territory. I thought... I need to fix this. I need to go and get better players. These guys became available. And I thought, who wouldn't want, he's going to hate me for saying this, but Neil McPherson is, and, and non-league football is a Rolls Royce. I mean, he really is. He's absolutely terrific. And, and you know, the wee Chrissy Campbell become that terrific. He's a great wee player. Big Jack. Plays walking late. They play there for a reason. They play come not knock it for a reason because they're really, really good at what they do. And if I've got an opportunity to go and get them, well, the players that get left out can either try and go, right, what is it they do to make them play? Why are they better than me? I can learn for them close hand. I can see what they do and how they train and how they prepare and what they do. Or I can go in the huff and say, well, that's not fair. And I said to them, just remember how you feel against Ashfield. We don't want to go back to that. We need to. This needs to be a turning point. And I had to make it a turning point. When these guys became available, I'm sorry, but anybody given the opportunity would take these players. And it's a balance as well, Carlo, isn't it? Because we we done the same thing. We brought in uh, we brought in Darren Lig on loan for Les Mahego, and I brought in Johnny Cookman on loan for Bells Hill. And uh, Les Mahego kindly gave us uh, Chris Jarvey. Without being disrespectful, the players have got they're better than what we've got. And I think any man, if any manager can bring in a player better than what they've that's got, that's our job. Yeah, and I think you're talking. You know, we went to Yoker and beat Yoker, which was a huge result for us. But we done that because we quality in the team, and 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 I think boys soon forget that he's on loan. You know, if you're winning and you're and, and you're getting results, so it's getting that balance, isn't it? Where if you've got a squad of 18, 19, 20, then maybe if you've got two or three on loan, then then it's not so bad. Well, every top team, the top teams in the SPFL in Scotland, I've got loan players. Rangers yeah. I've got loan players. And, you know, I had to put aside personal feelings that worrying about, you know, as a manager, the last thing you want to be doing is seem to be unfair. As long as I can look any player in the eye and try my best to be as fair as possible, I can always justify my decision. Don't always get it right. It's hard picking a team. It's hard trying to get it right. Because you might be right before the game, at the end of the game on hindsight, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have done this. But before the game, it seemed a good idea. And most people agreed with me. But when it goes wrong, because you're the manager, you've got to do it. And I just thought, I've always thought good players win games. And if these guys become available, 
And that's what I try to do. I try to win games. That's what I'm trying to do. And I needed to stop. We'd lost four league games and a cup game. It's five, six weeks in a row. And and I have to be careful because I've got such longevity with the club and I've done lots of things, good and bad, on and off the park to try and make the team and the club better. The first thing I need to do is win games. That's the first thing I need to do. And that wasn't happening. And it doesn't matter who you are or what level you operate at. You lose five, six, seven, eight games. I'd have sacked me as well. You know, at some point it's not working, Carlo. You need to. And that's when I thought that day I could see players getting angry. One player tried to chuck his bag away in anger. But what he'd be like, hadn't he zipped it up properly? So <laughs> 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 stuff went absolutely everywhere. And he's trying to pick up pants and boots and studs and bits and pieces for it while still continuing to shout this is rubbish this is no good enough <laughs> but it was losing the effect of trying to pick stuff up but I know how much it hurt him and it wasn't good enough I had to, and there was other people really upset not because I hadn't done enough but because we're getting beat and it doesn't matter whether you're playing for nothing you've lost wages you're playing a league that kind of promotion guys what you win that's right and see when they see when they lose, it's 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 horrible. And I tried to say to them, look, take this feeling today, take it, and see when tuning comes on Tuesday. Just remember how bad you felt today, and then next week comes. Don't you don't want to go there? Remember how good it feels to win, however long ago that was. Because we <laughs> season friendlies, and we were becoming a nice team. We were a nice team. Well, when you go and play competitive football. And Ayrshire teams, I'm not scared to say this, but Ayrshire teams struggle against Glasgow teams. They really do. We're not as gallus or as big. For some reason, Glasgow teams, the guys are always big. They're always physically much... But if I say something like that, I'll be ridiculed for saying, oh, it's because you're just smaller. And Gordon Strachan said it, the national team, and they get ridiculed. But it's true. Physically, the Glasgow teams, I felt, are bigger and stronger. And at our level, being able to head the ball and tackle the ball is a big thing. And we struggled. And it's no coincidence that Neil McPherson and Jack are both six foot plus easily. It's no coincidence that we become a better side because there's bigger boys in the team as well. It does help that side of things. And, you know, you have to set aside... Some of the problems I get with players now is they watch a lot of television football. We don't operate at that level. (laughs) You know, what's the tactics today, Carlo? Well, kick it that way as often as you can, as far as you can, as quick as you can, and let the dafties up front try and put it in the net. And, and do not try to take that in your 18-yard box. <laughs> you know, if that doesn't work, do it again. Only kick as far as you can up there. Get it up in there. Because that's what every other team does. I've went and watched other junior teams. And I, I saw what they're doing. Yes, they've got good players as well. I'm not saying they haven't. But the game plan is no different. Get it that way. Get it forward. Get it up into their box. But we always seem to be embarrassed to do that. I say to players, why are you embarrassed to be a junior player? That's what we do. That, that, that's what you do. You be fat, you be strong. And kick it that way. My name's Callum Graham, Ashfield striker, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Darvill have added two midfielders to their squad. Scotland amateur international Lee Haddon is one of them. Former Hibs kid Harry Monaghan has also arrived after leaving Australian side Hume City. There's also been more good news off the park after they received planning permission for floodlights at their recreation park ground. Rossvale have signed goalkeeper Craig Gordon for a second spell and former Airdrie midfielder Jonathan Kavanagh. They have also promoted Reese McLean from their under-19s after he impressed their management team. 
Wishart are another side that, that has used a festive period to bring in some new faces. Goalie Scott Somerville and defender Aidan McDonald are among those who have joined. Pollock have chosen to set things out this season and have seen two defenders leave. Jerry McLaughlin has joined Brecon City on a permanent deal, while Albion Rovers have taken Paul Gallagher on loan for the rest of the season. And Martin Graham has rejoined BSC Glasgow after leaving Garth Ken. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Mayball club legend Carlo Walker is with us this week. Uh, it didn't start out at the bowl for you, did it, Carlo? Uh, tell us about Kilmarnock and, um, or should we say that kind of character building move to Whitlet? Uh, I knew absolutely nothing about junior football, absolutely nothing. Uh, and I played the Kilmarnock's youth team. They didn't have pro youth at that time. And um, you just played with their youth team. And I played with their under-18s. And I signed with <laughs> I, 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 I won the player of the year, which is fine, great, delighted. Asked to sign for Kilmarnock, absolutely fantastic. I mean, I was an United fan. I really wanted to go to air, but that offer never came. So I signed with Commander, I was absolutely uh, delighted and they farmed me out to Whitlitz or forgot about me, I don't know, either way, <laughs> I never went back. I only got like two reserve games and one of them I spent 90 minutes with Rad Riley's elbow in my face uh, and the other one, Jerry Phillips, who was my PE teacher, making an absolute fool of me. I was a million miles away from it. I just wasn't ready for men's football, I was nowhere near, I was a good youth player, I was nowhere near the transition from youth football into men's football, i.e. trapping it and passing it to somebody in your own team. There's something new to me because at <laughs> boys club level, just kick it away, get it away. You know, don't let them score. You, you go and try and play and train with the first team on a Tuesday night. And the team, the commander was struggling and they found me out to Whitlitz and Whitlitz were really, really struggling as well. They, 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 they were in the old first division at the time and they were at the bottom of it. And a young 18-year-old can in try and play sweeper at that level. I was nowhere near ready. First couple of games, I must have given them false hopes. I think I did quite well. <laughs> First couple of games. Then after that, and it was an old-fashioned junior manager, and I wasn't used to that level of shouting and all that. I, I, I just, I, I wasn't used to it. My family were a kind of football background. I didn't really have uncles or brothers or father or a mother. That, it was, my mum was a football fan, but none of them were like, had played or been coaches. So I had nobody to turn to. I didn't really know and I didn't I hadn't come through the ranks at Whitlet so I didn't know anybody there that was well, that was really really tough listen I, I could dress it up in a hundred ways I wasn't good enough I wasn't big enough either that was another thing I wasn't big enough and to, to try and play at that level w- w- was difficult but I used to brag to my pals that I got sold to Lugan for 250 quid that was 250 quid more than anybody paid for any of them <laughs> So I went there and that, that, that was another eye opener. That wasn't quite right. That, that didn't work either. Um, and I was running out of other folk to blame. And then the, the Kilmarnock uh, get relegated. Oh, sorry, I avoided relegation the last day of the season. I think Eddie Morrison left. Sani McInesby left. Um, I was released. Was, I mean, looking back, if Kilmarnock were full-time, you'd have a far better chance. You'd have a far better chance to integrate into football being full-time. Um, the team was struggling they were only part time at the time Commander. this was before the Fleeton brothers came in and did their magic at the stadium and transformed the club I, I was there before all that so I never really got the benefit of that um, and then I got a chance to go back to Whitlitz 
just because I wanted to wait for Luger. I, I wasn't enjoying that either. Again, it was just full of older players and I just wasn't going to fit in. Going back to Whitlitz was was okay. That, 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 I finished the season and it wasn't too bad. And I just remember thinking, I don't know if I'm, I'm cut out for this. I don't know if this is right for me. I didn't really know anybody. I was struggling. The style of play wasn't me. My old boys club manager was the then chairman of Mabel. And he said to me, look, just come here. I thought, right, okay, I might as well, you know, and that's where I met Ward White, who unfortunately passed away just before Christmas. And Ward was a real eye-opener, you know, he didn't ball and shout. He just spoke to people. And it wasn't an act, that's genuinely how he was, on and off the park. He was one of the smartest, wisest people I ever met. Just things he used to say and do were, were great. He was so calm, he had a calm and influence on everyone. And I won player of the year that season. For, for thinking I was going to chuck it, to go nowhere... It just was just all of a sudden I got a manager that I could relate to. You know, the team were poor. I think they finished third bottom or something. The team wasn't great. But for a nineteen year old, it was essential that I played. Because you're never going to learn if you don't get thrown in now and again. And I wasn't playing at the R two clubs and you know, I wasn't good enough to play at Commander. And Ward said to me, look, you'll be twenty one before you know what you're doing. And he was right, it took two or three years of of playing. This is why I've tried to now bring in, we've got a good association with my local youth team and we try and bring them in at 15 and 16 year old to try and come in. It's good youngsters to get used to playing with older guys, to get used to that environment. So when it, 17, 18, 19 comes along, they've already had a year or two under the belt. They've heard all the patter. They've heard all the shouts. They're not scared anymore. If they fall down, they go back up. If they get pushed, they push back. You know, it's a lot easier. I didn't have that. And if I did, it would have been a lot easier. But unfortunately, Commander was struggling, Whitlitz was struggling, Mabel was struggling, so it, it was really, really tough. I actually got scouted again by Commander three years after I got released. And Ward told the then scout, look, you just let him go. And we had an opportunity to go to Luton. And I didn't want it to be funny, I just thought, I, I, that's that's no for me. I don't, I, I, as much as I'd like to be a, a professional football player, I didn't think in a way down to London on my own at that age. I didn't think that was the right thing to do. I decided uh, I decided not to go. I just I stayed at Mayball. I thought, well, you know, if one club down there is after me, if I do, if I keep doing well, then maybe I can get something else. Commander up showed interest again. I'm starting to play a wee bit better. I found my feet. I know what I'm doing. But unfortunately, nothing happened. I think I still hold the record that Sunra for the most number of reserve appearances without getting offered a contract. It was about 18. <laughs> so I don't know whether they just like me as a character about the place because I tried dead hard and <laughs> I just wasn't good enough I tried hard and I think they quite liked that and um, strangely enough Sani McInnesway made me captain of the reserve team for a couple of games and I wasn't even signed and I thought that's a, you know that, that'll probably never be repeated <laughs> why would you have a trialist as a captain and I don't know whether it's because I was I, I the right attributes to be a captain or I was trying to you know, prove a point to players that were already signed. Look, you know, here's somebody that's no signed, and they're going to, they're the captain of the team. But they never offered me anything. I had a couple more trial games with United. Look, I could say it and dress it up any way you wanted. I wasn't good enough. I think, uh, I mean, I was looking back at your clubs. You you mentioned Whitlitz. I think there was Troon, <laughs> Irvin Meadow, Dalry, <laughs> Anne Bank, and then obviously Mabel. 
um, for such a for such a long spell. Like if, if seasons, it may be all split over two. There's a ten year period. Ten and a night. If I mean, how, how do you think uh, how do you think Carlo, the manager, would look at Carlo, the player now? If if, if I mean, when, when you look back, would you would you would you pick him? I remember watching a program and they said um, if you could go into desert island, who would you take with you? And people were naming all these ex-footballers or singers or actors. And I remember thinking I would take myself, 20-year-old Carlo, and sit him down. <laughs> you know, and tell him this is what you need to do and this is what you need to watch for. You know, um, at the time I felt as long as I had highlights and a pen, and, and nice bits. That, that was me. I was a fit. I, I, I had everything, and I would turn up to training. I, I, I had everything to be a professional footballer. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have all the other things. Paul, tell you, you need so many other things going on in the background to support you through highs and lows. I didn't have that network, and that's not a criticism of my family because they hadn't played either. Didn't really have that. The one guy I did have it in was Rob White, but he was a May Ball manager. So were, you quite, so were you quite aloof from the other guys in, 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 in the dressing room? Were you just a different type of person? Were you, no, or, or would you say you were a mixer? And, oh, I loved the stuff. I loved all that there. And, you know, I, I wanted to be, you know, the one in the front having a laugh. I wanted to try and lead from the front. I wanted to try and be an example. Whether it was a good one or not, sometimes I probably wasn't. But I certainly tried always my hardest at training. I definitely always tried my hardest. I look at the players I've got now and I, and I say to them, you know, I was nowhere near as good as you, nowhere near as good as you guys. But I died on my feet. I never, I, I tried my hardest. I was, I was never beat. I, I always tried and tried and tried to make sure I was prepared properly, diet properly. You know, I, all my kit was ready. I was, I was there and I wasn't always a great timekeeper. I'm not going to lie about that there. But everything else I did, I tried my hardest. And, you know, I, I don't know if that is always with them just now. I think they always think, Oh, there's always next week. There's always next week. There's not always next week. Because mm-hmm. someone next week, someone else might come in. You know, and when you get in the team, you need to train like someone that's not in the team. It's an old boxer thing, isn't it? When you're number one, you need to train like number two to stay number one. You need to train harder. You need to do more. I need more. You need to do more. And I didn't really have all that. Definitely, Carlo as a coach is far better as Carlo as a player. I hate admitting that, but it's true because I've learned more. And when I went to tune them, when I went to after I left Mabel, I was 39. And I saw things completely different. I was a far better teammate because I was more calm. You know, I, I, there's, there's things about me. I, I went to Luger and Anbank and I was I was a far better teammate to people because I just I tried to relax a bit more and just try and enjoy it the last you know, the last few years I had. But it doesn't leave you what you win. And, and, and losing to a local team, anybody local, somebody you know, that, that, that's tough. So I always try to try and keep the score line down. I remember one time I'd no long taken over as a manager at Mabel and you know that they, they come at you at the end of the game, the guy that the, the, the local folk for the press and they've got a dictaphone and they shove it right under your chin. Right? And because I'm the Mabel manager, I'm worrying about where the boys are going, where the kit is and who's getting this and who's doing that. It's folk in the weight, you know, all these things you've got to worry about. And this guy's got a dictaphone shoved straight in my chin. So Carlo, when you got a man sent off in the first half and you were down four 0 were you worried it could get embarrassing? And I wanted to say to him, what do you think? But you can't say that. And I said to him, no, I'll tell you what's embarrassing. I've spoke to guys at other clubs, so-called bigger clubs, players who don't get a game. They just turn up with a track on every Saturday. They don't get on, they don't get stripped. 
And I've asked them to come and play with me ball, and they've said no. That's embarrassing that they would choose to turn up with a tracksuit on and no do anything and no come and play with my team. And we're doing okay in a decent level league, yet they still don't want to do it. That I find embarrassing. Losing a game of football to me is not embarrassing. That's a slight another team that's done really well to beat you. I wouldn't say it's embarrassing. But I learned a lot that day. I learned a lot about character and about players and what they accept. That was the day when I said to them, 4-1 down at half time, you know, you could easily just crumble. You could easily just go, right, well, you know, it's your fault. You've got as into it. You can get about it. I didn't want to say that. What I said to them was, look, everybody's expecting an absolute doing. Everybody's expecting it. And you're the one that got to front this. You're the ones that got to go to your work and go home to your families and the texting and all these other things that you do, your Twitter, all these things that you do. You're the ones that's going to have to answer to this. Not me. I'm not taking the blame for this. So you're going to get out there and die on your feet. Go and give it your absolute all. Make sure you do everything you can to stop making this an embarrassment. I can accept defeat. Don't don't let it get bad. And see, to be fair, I think that the second half, we lost one more goal. We lost the game 5-1. So it was a kind of wee mini victory because they could have folded. And I learned then very young, that was the spirit that I played with. And if I could try and get that over as a, as a manager, yes, I can understand you can't win every game. That's football. That's, that's why it makes it so interesting. You're not going to win all the time. There's no real winning formula at the level that we play at because a lot of it's luck, weather, refs, who's available, all these things. But you can certainly control your attitude and your application. And I, I don't have a problem with any player who trains hard, prepares himself properly and gives his absolute all on a Saturday. You know, you give me that and I've I, I got no problems for that. That's what I took from Carlo the player to Carlo the manager. Because I, I, I certainly couldn't ask him to trap the ball and pass it nicely and do anything else. That wasn't what I did. That's not to say I'm not a fan of that, because the way I set up is to always try and outscore the other team. I'm not really caring about keeping clean. I do want to keep a clean sheet. I don't want to lose goals, but I just think the level we that, you're better to try and outscore teams is try and set up no to you know, concede. If I win a game 3-2, I'm quite happy. As, as somebody who, who says he, he used to enjoy the you know getting the perm and, and going for the highlights, could, could oh. you then understand why why Durant and McCoy didn't turn up for your testimonial because they were on, on a night out? Could could you kind of there was a bit of, a bit of understanding there? <laughs> I know for a fact they were on a bender and it was uh, my brother-in-law was a connection there. My brother-in-law Nigel uh, was at Kilmarnock uh, at Rangers with them. He knew them. He stayed in Digswell and McCoy and Ian Durant, so he knew them quite well when they were kids coming through at the club um, and he tipped me off look they'll say yes but Ali says yes to lots of requests they're going to they've got a function on on the Saturday night you know they could get into they begin, you know, there's a good chance of in a state and they'll let you down so I was kind of prepared that they might not turn up so we, we tried not to say too much uh, that they two were coming because it was still a big draw they were both still playing at Commander they were still a big draw they never said they were going to play they just said they would turn up so when they didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't overly, I, I, I wasn't surprised. The, the first, uh, first player Mabel to, to have a testimonial though. Um, I mean, I what, what was it? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I nearly two. I stayed for the ten years. I left. I came back for eight. <laughs> I stayed on to another one. What, 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 what is it about the club for you though? What, what, what kind of, what, 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 what kept or made you come back, and what has made you stay for so long? Listen, she'll kill me for saying this, but I've had the same girlfriend, for th- partner for 30-odd years. I've had the same job 
through all these years, you know, I, 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 since I left school at 16, I bought my dad and he retired and I took the business over. So I've got longevity in me and I've got loyalty in me. I've always liked that. I played at the same boys club for 10 years before I finally left to go to Kilmarnock. So I've always, you know, once I'm there, I, I try and make what I've got better. Try and make, I, I, try, I just I always felt there was potential at Mabel. There was good people there and when I first started playing, there wasn't like, lots of money getting thrown around and certainly nobody ever offered me lots of it. I did get, I was chased quite a lot by Cumnock at one point for a couple of seasons. They did come at me quite a bit to go there, to go there. And I was quite tempted to leave at that point, but Mabel was doing quite well and we were getting to finals and doing well. And I just thought I play regularly here. That, that, that to me was a big thing. And the people off the park and just had a continuity in my life, a continuity in my football. It made a bit of sense. I didn't realise then just how big Cumnock was. Because when you're playing, you're a wee bit kind of blinded to all that. You don't really see it. And the money, you know, they didn't offer me lots of money. So, that, you know, that wasn't going to turn me. I was just quite happy to play Mayball and I had friends there. And I got on really, really well with Ward, the manager. And the chairman had been with me for some boys club football. And I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to say, well, I'm out of here. I didn't want to do that. I was quite happy to play, but I figured the only thing I'd leave for was a senior team. That was all, that that was the only way I could justify it to myself. And and was was managing the club one day always going to happen? If you like, was it the, was it the dream job? And and was and was was, was management? No, no. I'd said I'd always go back in some kind of capacity. My dad sponsored the team. Um, I sponsored them after I'd left. I continued to, to sponsor them and do bits and pieces. I was quite happy just to try and help the club. You know, when you when you stick somewhere for that length of time, you get to know people, and, and you know they allowed me to make decisions for the club more than just the playing side of things. So I I, I guess I put roots down there, but I wasn't. I was always going to go back to do something. I wasn't bothered about whether I was a manager or not. Just the other managers were there, particularly Peter Leonard. He came in after Ward. And, and Peter did a great job for 10 years, a fabulous job. And so there was no need for me to go back. As a, And I was still content to play. I wanted to keep on playing. Peter felt he'd, he'd went as far as he could with the club. He left and I got the chance to go back. Six years ago it is now. As a manager, and I thought, right, well, timing's right. You know, I've stopped playing. This is the next thing to do. Why not? And well, that's how I ended up going back. They'd made approaches for me to go back as a coach and other bits and pieces, but I was quite happy playing. Playing's the best. Everybody says it. Playing's the best. Playing's the best bit about football. There's no doubt about it. Coaching and managing is, is plays second fiddle to that. You can't even playing. Stephen Swift, BSC Glasgow, and I listened to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Carlo, who was your idol as a boy? Ken Leash. I'm just a football fan, by the way. I need to make that perfectly clear, right? I've got pals who will be screaming and shouting that this is no true. I genuinely am. I actually like both sets of the old firm for Scottish football reasons. You know, I do like that there. Um, I was always a Kendall Leach fan, always. When he went to Liverpool and he played, that's what I watched. He didn't get a lot of Scottish games in the telly, but I was able to follow. I always liked Kendall Leach. I, 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 just the fact that he was... I mean, you watch him now, watch the things he does, he's still a great player. Still, 
it's, it's not, you can't say, oh, he did what he did in that era. It's changed days now. Ken Oglish, Paul will tell you, this is all about movement. He wasn't the quickest. You know, his movement was good. His thought process was good. His link, all these things were great. So, easily Ken Oglish. Who's the toughest opponent you faced? You're going to hate me for this. But me, I was my hardest opponent. Yeah. Listen, if I could beat myself, I could beat anybody. I had to convince myself I could go and do it. And very often, I was my, my worst critic. So I was my hardest opponent. Uh, <laughs> on a plain thing, the, the, the day against Robert Riley and against Jerry Phillips, when I was first starting out, they were real eye-openers. Well, look at the level I'm into. It was Commander Reserves versus Airdrie Reserves. And I get bullied and struggled. And it was a real eye-opener. My first big game for Whitlitz was against Cumnock, and I played against Jerry Phillips. A lot of folk will not remember Jerry Phillips, but Jerry was, um, he played and scored for Hamilton against Graham Soonis, Rangers at the time. He was a big deal. He was my PE teacher. But then he stepped back from that and he was playing with Cumnock. And I thought, this will be easy. It's my PE teacher. He absolutely ragdolled me for, for 90 minutes. Made it. I mean, I was so far off it. You know, but it was a learning curve, so definitely day two. Because after that, I got a wee bit better. And I never really particularly struggled against. It was players I admired, but it was none I particularly struggled against. What's the favourite football top you've worn and why? I remember getting the, the 1978 Scotland World Cup top. In those days, Scotland always qualified for World Cup, so <laughs> it's the non. And I remember my mum allowed me to go to school, Ford Hill Primary. I was allowed to go to school, primary five, to wear the top, to wear my Scotland strip. And then um, a year ago, two years ago, I got picked to play for Scotland over 50s. You know, when you're younger, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but when you are over 50, <laughs> that's still a highlight. That was still quite good to get to play for Scotland over 50s. Was, was, I quickly realised I wasn't picked for my football ability. I was just picked because I could still run. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you play and how many caps did you get? Um, oh, this is where it becomes classic and typical Carlo. They played, I played a trial game that I did quite well in. I actually managed to score a couple of goals. So, and then I played the first game and it was a charity game. They played this charity game in Lags, at Lags Astrograss Park. And um, it was against a, a, a Lags over 35 team or something. So they, just, they always played this as their opener. And then it went down to a tournament. And the tournament this year was at St George's Park where England trained. So it was going to be against Ireland, uh, England, Wales and Scotland. So it's these four teams. So I played in this first game and I get injured. And I come off after an hour. My hamstring went. So I never, <laughs> I never get any further. I never get down to the tournament. Um, and uh, it didn't sit well with them because I think they, I did quite well. And because I could still run, I think they were hoping I would carry it. Not carry a few of them. That's not what I mean. But I meant it's like it's just, just because I was fit enough. I yeah. think they were hoping to have a kind of blend of much better players than me. And boys that could still be fit enough to run. But unfortunately, uh, I got injured after an hour. My hamstring went. That was me. I didn't, rec- and I, I didn't fancy going away down there. And, you know, the, the, the worry of it packing in again. Because I'm not a drinker. I don't drink at all. And I thought, well, what else am I going to do? This could be a bit daft going down there. And so, no, that was it. But that was certainly a highlight. Getting picked for that. And I made sure the players in the Mabel dressing room knew about it. <laughs> over and over. I told them. Who's, uh, who's the best player you've played with? Oh, easily Billy Finlay. A guy called Billy Finlay. He was anybody that played with Billy will say the same thing. Um, we used to say everybody wanted in Billy's team at training. He was that good. 
he was in our team, and apparently Gus McPherson, um, who played for Billy at Kilmarnock at the time, he told uh, one of my friends the same story that when he was at Kilmarnock, when Billy was at Kilmarnock, everybody tried to get into Billy's team at training. He was so good. He just had some off-field problems, Billy did, unfortunately, and a lot of players do with different bits and pieces, and it got a grip of Billy, and his senior career didn't go the way it should. I think he was the first player ever to sign a five-year contract in the SPFL with Hibs. I mean, he was a talented, talented individual. He just did things that you like. I could tell you a hundred stories just watching him, the things he did. And I remember thinking, I wish I could do that. I don't know how he does that. He'd, his feet walked at 22. His feet were far too big for the rest <laughs> of his body. But, you know, Billy's brain and his feet were always in perfect harmony. Whereas my brain and feet were like, oh, that's it, you're on your own. You can go on, but I'm nothing to do with this. And he, he, he was great, but he was great off the park with you as well. He was... He was a good guy to be around, Billy. He was certainly good. He came back to playing in Ireland. He made his debut for Quinnan. And I was playing for Bees at the time. And he played sweeper for Quinnan. And I played sweeper for Bees. And Quinnan won 3-2 and Billy scored a hat-trick. And I remember thinking, he's playing the same position as me. <laughs> he scored a hat-trick. <laughs> he... What have I done myself? Where is my career? Look how good that guy is. Look what he's done. He can get a penalty and a couple of free kicks or something. But he was outrageously good. Far, far too good to put at our level. He never lasted at any club particularly long. He did at Maybowl. You know, we had good people there that kind of helped Billy and looked after him and he enjoyed his time there. I, you could ask anybody around that era that played, and I'm pretty sure they'll tell you the same thing. Definitely, definitely Billy. And what's the best practical joke you've seen? Well, can I tell two? Go for it. I actually have three, but they're all quick. Go for it. There was some against me and some that we did. One backfired a wee bit. Myself <laughs> and Alan Love, when we played with Mayball, Peter Leonard was quite strict. In fact, he was very strict. And uh, he did everything by the book and did everything proper. And you had to be in time. You had to do everything right. Everything had to be right. He brought a level of professionalism that was way beyond us. But he was absolutely spot on. He was right. So there's one night we're going to training. And Alan and I played in the same team. But we worked together. So we're at a printer's place in Avon. We found one of these giant novelty checks. The things you see in the doorstep challenger. They turn up these great big checks. <laughs> and the guy gave us it. And I said, lovely. Right, what we'll do is we'll, t- we'll kid Peter on that he's won the Mabel Lottery. And it rolled over for a few weeks. And it was up to like, over a thousand pounds. We'll tell Peter that he's won it. And he's to go up to the speakers club after training <laughs> to get presented with it. I'm not doing that. He said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going. I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing anything to do with that. Oh, come on, Peter. Publicity to the club. This is good. Look at this. There's a big check. It's all made out for your name on it. Living on it. So very reluctantly, Peter went up to do it. And he took the photographs and he was raging. He didn't want to do any photo. He didn't want to do any of this. And we were absolutely killing us for having this big novelty check made out to Peter Leonard for 1,200 quid or something like that. He'd won it. They hadn't won it. We were just making it up. Raging. He hadn't told his wife he'd won it. And then the picture was in the paper. <laughs> Peter had won all this money. He never told his wife. So then you had to tell him it was a joke. There was no money. You hadn't won it. It was just a wee publicity stunt. He was absolutely raging at us. I stopped doing planks on him after that. He didn't like that one. The other one was I was playing for Anbank. And I was about 41. And in my head, I still love playing, but my, just I wasn't good enough anymore. But 
I still wanted to keep on trying. So we're going to play against Latcall, and I've got to be very careful what I say. I'm not saying everyone in Latcall is like this, but you go to Latcall with a name like Carlo, <laughs> on street here, and done. You're going to stick out for all the wrong reasons. So I said to the boys in the bus on the way up there, like, try not to shout my name too much. Try not to bring attention to myself. I, you know, I want to try and keep this low key. We're going to lack call. My name's Carlo. This is going to be tricky. Right? So try not to be shouting my name too much. Anyway, the game starts within five or ten minutes. It starts. The abuse for this big shed started shouting at me. It was terrible. But this guy was shouting. And on and on and on for 90 minutes. We get thumped 4-1. So they had a kind of social club after it. We were back in the social club. You were allowed one or two drinks. Then we were back in the bus. So some of the players said to me, Carlo, there's that guy there that was shouting at you. That's him there. That's him there. Well, I'm on the parts. I couldn't see him. I don't know who it is. I could hear it. I didn't know who it was. And your first thought is to go and say to the guy. And then you start, no, wait, I'm an older, experienced player here. I need to lead by example and, and show them that you don't go and challenge these people. And I said, look, he's an idiot today and he'll be an idiot next week. So let's not worry about him. And I was quite pleased the way I handled it. So everybody piled back on the bus. And we got on the handbag bus. And the guy was sitting on the Anbank bus. He was an Anbank fan. <laughs> it was nothing to do with that call. The guy was one of our fans. <laughs> and I was getting abused for being rubbish. No, because my name was Carlo. <laughs> or a cheeky hair. It's because I was rubbish. <laughs> this guy was giving me abuse. That's, that, 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 was a, that was... I knew then, man, I, need to, I need to stop playing. This is no right. My own supporters are getting on at me. One time my mum said to Ward White, she leaned in the dugout and said, um, his name is Carlo. No, for fuck's sake, Carlo. Just called Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I told about that one years later. Ward told me that my mum had done that. I didn't know that. She stopped coming to games because of the abuse I used to get. When you're playing, you don't really... It doesn't really bother you. It didn't bother me. It was part of my game to wind people up. I used that as a kind of... to try and put them off their game. So if you got abuse back, you had to take it because you were giving it out so much. So it didn't really bother me. But, it, you know, it affects other people but I tell players in my dressing room like you know when we had young players coming through for United and they were coming and trying it's, it's, it's fan mouths to us and one kid was getting a bit of stick and I knew who it was who was giving the stick but, and I said to him why are you letting that bother you what are you going to do if you end up playing United in front of thousands how are you going to cope then there's one guy out there giving you stick you need to learn to switch off from it don't just ignore it just forget it there's nothing you can do as he says pay this five and he'll say what he wants just ignore it just let it go, and that's what I tried to, to tell them. That's when I was getting stuck at games, and that, that's when I knew, right, I'm at the wrong end of the scale here. But I'm 41. This boy's only 19. You know, he's get, the rest of his career to improve. I'm only going to get worse. So that's when I knew I had to kind of stop playing. That was the practical jokes. I, th- I thought there was a Tommy Sloan one as well, no? Tommy Sloan phoned me. He got me an absolute belter. To this day, I still don't know whether he meant it. But I was a victim of my, of, my, of, my, of my own ego here. So I'd always avoided playing over 35s, always avoided it, because I was still playing junior and I didn't want to play the over 35s. And I, and I, and I, didn't, I figured that I wouldn't have enough to try and do both. So I didn't want to push it. I wanted to try and stay fit enough just to concentrate and playing at junior football. So, no, I'm not going to do it. But I got a phone call and then a voicemail left on my phone. Hi, Carlo. Tommy Sloan here. Uh, listen, we're looking for a centre-half. He's a phone-back, pal. And that's exactly the way Tommy talks. And I remember thinking before I phoned, I started to shake. <laughs> I'm 41-year-old here. 
Tommy Sloan walking like, what do you mean? Then I said, I'd have. I don't know if I can still do this. Oh, no, 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 I'm an experienced player now. I can still do this, you know. Maybe he's just looking for a wee bit of experience. He's just looking to steady the ship a wee bit of results. Hi, maybe, maybe I can still do this. Yeah, I phoned him back. Hi, Tommy, it's Carlo. Thanks for phoning back, Carlo. Listen, over 35s, we need a certain half. Are you available? <laughs> <laughs> and I went quiet. Did you think I meant for <laughs> no, I didn't, Tommy. Not at all. Of course, I didn't. <laughs> I did. No, no, no. No, that was embarrassing. Brilliant. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the down the divisions decider. Give us those clues again, Paul. I might have got it actually. I've, I've had a, I've had a bit of a brain race. Ah, ah, Google's a wonderful thing. So they were founded in 1908. They played their first games at Stenhouse Stadium. They now play at Christie Gills Park, and I hope I pronounced that right. <coughs> they are named after an occupation, and they are based now in the Muirhouse area of our capital city, Carlo. I don't know. Is it something works, team? You're warm, you're warm. And the... No. Oh, that'd be that be totally wrong with Benderuri, would it? I don't know. I, I was thinking Meadowbank moving to Livingston. No, I don't know. It's a, it's yeah. a guess, so I could be totally wrong. But c- civil service strollers? You've got it. There you go. Is that right? Yep. Who can be that? I don't know. I just <coughs> I was just trying to think of occupations, and I that's about it just came to me. There you go. Cheating's a wonderful thing, Carlo, isn't it? I'd never have got that. I'm not going to lie. I would have got yeah. that. You're all right. I would have got that. I should have went. Knowing you were on, you should have went for any other team there, shouldn't I? Ah, but he's from Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so is he, Carlo. I've just told so you a football fan, so I should know all about Scottish football, but <laughs> turns out I don't. Carlo, thanks for joining us and uh, all the best for the for the rest of the season. Hopefully when it when it restarts uh, safely and, and when everybody's content to do so. But appreciate you you coming on tonight. Listen, thanks for asking. Um, I've really, really enjoyed that. Nice to 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 meet Paul again. And um, Gareth, I didn't need to put subtitles up for you. It was quite good. I was worried that I would understand <laughs> your accent. What's that? What's that? <laughs> uh, no, that was really enjoyable. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.